just on the chance that God might answer that prayer, I opened my Bible and I looked at Psalm 90, no, Psalm 18. Happened to be exactly what was in my heart. And I lived in that psalm for about six months. I just prayed it over and over until the anxiety was gone. And so that worked for me. Um, I don't view as a, okay, this is the way to get over anxiety. But I'm saying when you cry out to God, He answers in some way. Yeah. He may not answer the way you expect, but something will happen. And he is not deaf to our cries when they're, you know, when they come from our heart out of anxiety or depression or whatever. So I keep a notebook with scriptures that the Lord has given me in those times. And um, uh, here's one, for example. Psalm 77, different parts of it. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remember. I call to remembrance my song in the night. Isn't that that phrase just ministers to me? The song in the night. We talk about seeing in the dark when we can't see. The Lord gives us a song. And sometimes that's literally. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. Just that's what you can do with scripture. You can search for this something to hang on to. Will the Lord cast me off forever? These are all questions that come through our minds at that time. Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? And it seems like when you read the Psalms, there's always a breakthrough. Maybe not always, but most of the time there's a breakthrough after those hard questions. And I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the people. And so that gives me some hope, you know, after all those hopeless questions. Um, yeah, I have lots of stories, but they don't necessarily follow the outline. So. Well, I wish you could see all these scriptures that Judy has written. Yeah. Exercise, you guys are good at exercising, right? You know, doing weights actually releases endorphins in your body, which is a feel-good uh, chemical messenger. And uh, the aerobic brain exercise of aerobics, you know, replenishes your body with serotonin. So, uh, and... Um, Massage, you know, I, you know, that's just something that relaxes the body, helps you unwind. I'm, I'm on uh, number eleven. Verbalize your feelings to a safe person. Um, 
talked about that meeting in threes where you can say I'm really um, you know need prayer and tell what you're going through the most effective effective um, method for change that we have I think are the 12 steps and any you know that you know what the 12 steps are and there are four characteristics of the 12 steps for recovery we admitted and you would we we admitted we say we were powerless over anxiety over depression over this drug the second one made a decision to surrender so there's a confession and there's we made a decision to surrender our will and our life to the Father to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and all of the Trinity you, you get to, these are my three friends that I get this friendship with the Father and with Jesus and I surrender to the, each one the Holy Spirit and I get to enter into the dance there's a dance of the of the Trinity sometimes a dancing with the Father and other times with connecting with Jesus other times with the Holy Spirit and they are always bragging on each other Jesus always bragged on his dad my father <laughs> my father you know you gotta know my dad and the father says this is my son I love him my beloved son and the Holy Spirit says you you can't <clears throat> you can't believe without me the Holy Spirit tells us to believe that Jesus is Lord and, and we confess by the Spirit Jesus is Lord so you know dancing was not was one of the seven deadly sins when I grew up <clears throat> so uh, I mean it's worse than going to a pool hall or, or whatever going to movies if you can believe that and in fact <clears throat> This is kind of a joke, but it has some truth to it. Um, uh, premarital sex was forbidden because it could lead to dancing. <laughs> okay, got one joke in. Um, but here I am, learning to dance with the Holy Spirit. And uh, accept your limitations also embrace your strengths and uh, it's so important that we know our see humility is not denying our strengths it's recognizing our weaknesses but let people feel the weight of who you are adjust your self-talk here's one that I really am having fun with I am one in whom Christ delights and the Father, I mean, I'm in one who, the, I'm in one, I guess it's right, I'm one in whom Christ delights, loves, and the Father delights. I am one in whom Christ lives and dwells, and the Father delights. That's a, that's an affirmation. And many affirmations help me uh, affirm who my, my true identity. I belong to Jesus, not to fear. When I do the sign of the cross, I belong to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's my true identity. Um, interesting, but you know that Paul only quoted Jesus three times. All the things that Jesus taught, moral teachings, he quoted them three times. You know what they were? Better to give than to receive an axe. Yeah, you got it. Second Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made manifest in your weakness. And the third one is, just to see if you're awake, 1 Corinthians 11, what? 23, 
what the Paul says, I'm just giving to you what Jesus gave to me. And the night he was betrayed, he took bread, blessed it, and gave it to them. So a person got real troubled by that. He called his friend up, who's a real Bible guy, and he says, is that really true that Paul only quoted Jesus three times? How come? How can that be? And so he went to another friend of his, and he says, well, he believes that the reason is for Paul, you know that 164 times he uses the phrase, in Christ, Christ in me. So this is how Paul focused on Jesus. The power of Jesus' life and his teachings is in this affirmation, Christ is in me. I'm one in whom Christ dwells. I am a person in whom Jesus lives. And I want to know, what would my life be like if Jesus lived his life through me? That would be interesting. Because Christ dwells in me. And the Father delights in me. And so, you know, you say, well, anyway, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Thankfulness. Uh, these are. This is a real helpful uh, tool to use in your small groups. Um, or in, when you're checking, this is a checking question. What are, what are three things I'm grateful for and three things I'm not grateful for? These are questions from St. Ignatius. Kendra, are you smiling at me? <laughs> That's Kendra. She's a professor at the Masters Institute. Everybody welcome Kendra. Yay. <laughs> We're staying with Kendra and Rob and in her home in Edina. Uh, she has a daughter, Kayla, who is studying at uh, Fuller Seminary. So I get to go up there and and um, spend some time with her. And she also works for Starbucks, so I get a free bag of Starbucks. You want to be my friend, you know? What am I? What are? What am I grateful for? And what am I not grateful for? And it's a very interesting thing that happens because I, if you're an, if you're an optimist, you don't like to name the things you're not grateful for, right? You know, you hear about the. Optimist who says to the pessimist, this is another bad joke, but um, you know that optimists live longer than pessimists, and the pessimist says, <laughs> serves them right. <laughs> so, if you're a pessimist, you don't mind saying the things you're not grateful for. Probably, you know, that's not really all true, but what happens when I name those things I'm not grateful for, I start thinking, but oh, I am thankful how Jesus is helping me. And when I say I'm not grateful for this, it's a way of saying I give it to you, Lord. It's not that I soak in it or I nurse or rehearse those things, but it's a way of naming them and then giving them to Jesus. And I really have, it's a really question that really connects to your heart right away. What are you grateful for? What are you not grateful for? Breath prayers. You ever do breath exercises where you breathe in? I got This is what I pray a lot. It's from Psalm 62, and I breathe in. In Christ alone, my soul finds rest. And then I breathe out slowly, say aloud. In Christ alone, my soul finds rest, say aloud. In the middle of the night, I have trouble sleeping. I do a breath prayer. Just breathing in, and your body prays with you. Submit to God continually. We talked about that, abandoning outcomes to God. Judy, you want to talk about fear to trust? Um, we're almost done here. I can see you guys are perspiring, so hang in there. We're almost done. 
again, I would say that this this is something that God works. It, you know, it isn't something that we can produce in ourselves. The change from fear to trust. We can seek God, but He's the one who does it. And um, so the beginning, the beginning stage is is using your will, using my will to thank God um, to do it as a discipline. And when I was uh, going through worry and anxiety over our oldest daughter, I started going for walks in the morning around the park, and I would walk and walk and pray and pray and um, think about the scriptures that I had read, and um, and I would do some thanking him for his faithfulness and think about the qualities of God and thank him for that and you know I did this for months but after after a while I began to be so aware of his presence it was almost like almost like I was walking and he was walking just a little behind me with his hand on my shoulder and I began to look forward to those mornings of walking and praying and uh, being you know the thankfulness was just a natural fruit uh, it just came you know a, it was a time of worship and praise and thanksgiving and by the time it, there was no evidence of answers to prayer but my heart was so full of thanksgiving because I knew God's faithfulness. I knew that if He cared enough to help me with my feelings, that He was going to answer my prayers. And um, so that's my story. Part of it was just saying no to fear too, and you just. Well, that was a different. Uh, that was a different part of the journey when I was. Um, when Anne was going through her very serious bouts of depression, she shared with me that I, mean, I didn't even see myself as a fearful person, but she shared with me that that my fears for her felt like legalism. Like if she didn't do it right, that I would fall apart. Well, she saw me lose my hair over anxiety for her older sisters, so there was, you know, some evidence for that. That if she, you know, if she couldn't get over her problems, that, you know, she was um, afraid of what might happen to me. And that was too heavy a burden, and I realized then that fear is not a, ever a good thing. Um, and I and I found it in the Bible too. I hadn't ever realized that you could say no to fear. So I began to practice it. Uh, when fear would come, which was you know sometimes every every 30 seconds, I had to do this: turning away from fear, turning to Jesus. And it would you know it would fade. The fear would fade, and then 30 seconds later it would be back, and I would turn away from fear and turn to Jesus. And after a couple months of doing that, I realized I had power over that. Um, it does work. I was I was so amazed. So I just offer that to you as a possibility. Okay. 
Um, solitude and silence. These are spiritual disciplines. Um, and the biggest, the new thing, the big change in my life now is that when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is to make Starbucks coffee and my French roast, French press, I guess, yeah. And then I walk right past Facebook. I walk right past my email. I do not turn on, I do not go on the computer. And that is, it seems so simple, but it means I've got to say no, thank you. And then I go for a walk in beautiful Southern California every day. Sorry. And uh, <laughs> by a creek that's right 50 yards from our house. You know, it's a California creek. It's three feet wide. So uh, we don't have water like you guys do. Um, but it's changing my life. Solitude and silence. The Lord is transforming my heart on the inside through solitude and silence. And I'm an extrovert. And so, I mean, this is a major transformation. I do notice I was, the last time I was out there, I was sitting on the bench, and here I'm having my solitude, and I'm thinking, sure hope somebody walks by so I can say hi to them. Because <laughs> I've got some regular people that walk in front of me and they smile. You know, that makes my day when you say, I want to be with you, and you smile. doesn't take much. You want to be with me. Such a gift. And the Father says, I want to be with you, son. I want, I like being with you. I want to be with you. And so when people do that, I mean, it just satisfies my soul. But uh, there's something that has happened in my life uh, through these two spiritual disciplines. And remember, a spiritual discipline is not righteousness. It's wisdom. The second thing, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Grace is God acting on your behalf. It's changing on the inside by indirection, not by direct effort. I'm going to be a great prayer. No, I'm going to just be so by. I'm going to spend time alone in silence. Now, I think um, the last one is serving, and it really is just getting out and doing something. And you guys are all doing that, so I get outward instead of inward. So the, for the prayer ministry tonight, uh, Judy and I are going to pray with you, and Kendra is going to pray. Um, Kendra has shared her story publicly with a, you know, different places that she experienced pretty incredible healing for bulimia. If any of you have ever struggled with that or know someone who's battled that, she'll be here to pray. Judy and I will be praying with you. Uh, do you have other prayer team people? Or, we do. Yeah. But we'll stand up and pray with you. And I think while you're waiting to get prayer, I'd like each of you to find one other person and do this. Would you... Would you you, got, you didn't bring pencils or pens. So what you need to do in your with one another, the pairing up, is to share three things you're grateful for and then three things you're not grateful for. And then pray with each other. But if you want to come up right away and just get prayer from us, you can do that. But the rest of you, if you're not, especially if you're not going to come up for prayer, I'd like you to each pair up. Three things you're grateful for can be simple things. You can look around. You've got a brand new place to worship on Communitas. Um, you can thank God for a Starbucks if you want. But that, but some things that you're really grateful for that God has done in your life, that would be good. 
What is Jesus changing in you? You know, how's he changing your heart? And what a way of talking about that is what is what are you learning? I'm learning to trust the Father. I'm learning to say no to fear. Anything that came out of the teaching tonight, what is what are you learning? Learn, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. And then what are you not grateful for? I'm not grateful for Anne, our daughter, has a diagnosis of MS. No, I'm not grateful for that. Well, when I say that, it helps me to give it to Jesus and for him to heal her. So it's a way of naming it and then saying, it, Lord, I give it to you. And then pray for each other. You say more? I'm really thankful tonight for this. Thankful. Because I know some of the stories of people sitting here. And I know that God wants to touch you. And I want you to know that there are people in the room that have hope for you. Hope that you can get beyond where you are, where you've been. You're not trapped. And that you can get beyond it. And I hope you take advantage of what is being offered to you tonight to be on the receiving end of prayer. I've told you before, Joe has been a real encouragement to me. I love the way he laughs and I love the way he cries. I love his child nature. I, I want more of that. And he He's often comforted me. And so... I pray that you will be comforted tonight and uh, comforted in the love of God as it comes through somebody who's praying for you. And that some of you who haven't experienced much of this before is that you'll just take a chance and come and receive prayer. If, if they're, the line is long and you're waiting, there are others of us that would love to pray with you. I'm sitting next to Mark as a uh, pastor friend that I... Uh, played basketball with in seminary and we had lots of fun together and uh, others raise your hand if you're comfortable in praying for people uh, tonight in situations look around and so if you need somebody to pray with other than the ones that are here I uh, as, as he said different things I said oh thank you because I know your stories and uh, and for myself, myself too. I I've needed help. I needed somebody else because I couldn't get through. And uh, Joe was often the one that would uh, pray for me. And I I'm going to ask him to pray for me this week uh, to get through and uh, do what I need to do at the Holy Spirit conference. So thanks. Let's thank Joe and Judy. Okay, so uh, Kendra, come on up, and uh, and others in the prayer team. We can spread out a little bit here. And uh, if you're willing, go ahead and do that. Not grateful, not grateful, uh, with uh, one other person, and then pray for each other in pairs. But uh, come, some of you come on up right away and get prayer. <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> 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 